Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Hailing Frequencies Open. Thank you for joining us today on this very, very hot day, I'm sure, all around the world. Today, we are going to be reviewing the episode Arena. And this episode was directed by Joseph Penney, written by Jean L. Kuhn, Frederick Brown, and a smattering of other people. All right, guys, are you ready to talk about this episode? Uh, yeah. Kind of? <laughs> don't, don't hold back the excitement. I mean, I definitely have thoughts on this episode. Okay, good. I don't know if I I don't know if talking about it is going to make it any better, but I definitely have thoughts about this episode. <laughs> oh, many thoughts for this episode. I'm most excited for uh, Mel's reaction for some of these upcoming scenes we're about to talk about. Oh, this is gonna be fun. Here we are again on the Enterprise in the transporter room with Kirk, Spock, McCoy, other people that are probably going to die getting ready to beam down to an Earth colony called Sesta-3. Sesta-3 has apparently called the Enterprise a few days prior to come and, you know, hang out, see the colony. This certain commissioner has asked Kirk to come, and as they get there, they get a final message from this commissioner saying that he wants them to bring extra tactical officers down to the planet. Why? Kirk wonders. But doesn't ask the questions. He just does it. So in total, six crew members beam down to the colony and lo and behold, the colony is not there anymore. It's been blown to pieces. So immediately, Kirk calls back the Enterprise, apprises them of what has happened. They're going to investigate and uh, they want the Enterprise, of course, to be on standby for survivors. So the messages the Enterprise received days ago were faked. By who, we wonder? As they're taking their little jaunt around the former city or colony, they find one survivor. And he is quite near death, as McCoy says. If we don't get him back to the ship or somewhere in the next 30 minutes, he's going to die. No rush, of course. No rush. Spock, of course, starts scanning the area and he does find life signs of some kind, not human, more of a cold-blooded alien lizard type in the vicinity. I'll just say now because it's just too good because this is kind of a classic episode. The cold-blooded lizard people that I am referring to, the Gorn, and I'm sure anybody who's seen the original series remembers this episode and the Gorn. Do you guys remember? I mean, I I do. You remember Mel. (laughs) First thought on that. I have seen the Gorn before I didn't know what it what what they were. So yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Fair enough. It's a very um I d I don't want to say well thought out creature, but a full creature that we actually get to see a lot of, which I appreciate. 
So as they are trying to figure out what the hell happened, bombs start going off. Uh, there's fighting, phaser fighting. You have no idea where it's coming from. You don't see anyone firing at them, but I mean, it's happening. And one of the crewmen gets, I, he doesn't need a name. I'm sure he has a name, but he dies. He gets up from where he's at, walks two steps, and gets vaporized by something. And then Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and I think it's like two other people are left, minus the uh, survivor. Managed to get the survivor, pick him up, and they truck him over to a building, like half a building that's kind of been blown out, but it will give them enough shelter from some of the bombardment. Kirk, of course, is contacting the Enterprise. We're being attacked. We're being attacked. And Sulu, who's in charge on the ship right now, is like, oh, what a coincidence. We're being attacked, too, by a ship. Uh, can't help you out, so hang tight. And then we'll see what happens. And then I guess communication gets spotty at best during this whole thing, but it's much better than in previous episodes where they just didn't have it at all. One of the... So like I said, one of the landing crew gets vaporized they're trying not to get vaporized as well and just trying really to figure out where the attack is initially coming from and then kirk decides that they need more than their hand phasers so he asks the survivor like whereabouts did you keep any other weapons now i was thinking okay the whole colony has been blown to bits who knows where anything is now like where is it i don't know how can this person that's about to die know where it is? So, Kirk, this is I so funny. I would like to point out things. Yes, Mel. <laughs> um, the buildings had, like, information on them. If they had just looked up, they all had writing of what they were and what was in them. Why oh, yeah. They mm -hmm. asked this dying man <laughs> where the armory was. <laughs> if it was probably written on the side of the building. Right. Just, you know. Right. Yeah. I did see that that one sign. I think it had, God, did it say like something to do with like medical or something, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Oh my God. Also, mm -hmm. the fact that the thing, one of the things that baffled me was clearly these are buildings. And yes, colony was destroyed. So the stability of the building is called into question. But they didn't at least. They didn't even try to go inside of any of these buildings. They were like, we'll just hang out in the alcove. We're not going to try to find medical supplies to help this guy dying. We're just going to throw him into an alleyway, prop him up at a weird angle, while, drunk, while the drunk doctor continues to say, he's about to die, but I'm not going to give him any type of medical treatment. I'm yep. just going to look at him and say, he's going to die. <laughs> like, what? what is happening here? And they're being fired at, but what is happening? Yeah. They, also, no one, yes. Sorry. Oh, go, go this ahead. Theme, this theme also gave me a pinch of PTSD. Oh. Because from February to the weekend of July 4th, my neighborhood sounded like that every night. 
because oh. everybody was setting off fireworks. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Yeah. But watching this, like, oh my God, the fireworks are bad. Oh. It was, it was a little, it was a little much. But yeah, that, that it, it, this whole, whew, there was a lot of, of, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, mm, I was mad at everybody. I'm mad at the people bombing them. I was mad at people. I was mad at the Enterprise crew. I was mad at the writers during the sequence because none of it really made sense. That's and even kind of when, thought I got to, yeah. Even when, even when he, he asked the guy, the dying guy, why you ask him anything, where the weapons are, he doesn't answer. Yeah. Right? So I, th- I think he said something, but I think he pointed in a general okay. vicinity of where it was supposed to be if there was a building there so kirk in kirk fashion is like i'm just gonna run out there and go look which another classic kirk william shatner thing that he does when he's running or trying to dodge things he runs and then he he does the rolling which i find hilarious it's freaking hilarious yeah so that's happening kirk does the running and the rolling and weapons are being fired still and i'm not i mean he's not going in a straight line he's like zigzagging and rolling so he's theoretically not going to get hit by anything and then uh communications are being interfered with i guess by the ship that's attacking the enterprise but they don't completely go out because he can still contact sulu and be like give him orders of what to do with the ship which he does so kirk gets into a hole and he calls the Enterprise and orders Sulu to protect his ship at all costs. And if that means leaving them, then they need to leave. And sure enough, they had to leave. And then at this point, back down on the colony, Spock and McCoy and Survivor Dude are still in the alcove and Spock is uh, fiddling with his tricorder and he's like, oh, okay, they are approximately X amount of yards away. And okay, I must get to the captain. So he runs out, bobbing and weaving, and then rolls into the lovely little hole that Kirk is in, which he finds some kind of little cannon type thing. And what I think are like photon bombs or like little blue spheres the photon bombs and all the while like these the enemy fire keeps getting closer to them and then real quick spock is like oh my god they can track our tricorders so he throws his tricorder away off in the distance and wherever it lands that's where like the next bomb lands and i was like okay spock that was really quick thinking that you came to that conclusion so quick, I question that. I don't know about the rest of you. I was disappointed. I was disappointed in Spock's running and dodging ability because after the performance that James T. Kirk just gave us, like some kind of Olympic ribbon gymnastics routine without the ribbon, Spock just running towards the hole and following in didn't feel the same and it was kind of disappointing 
But to your point about Fox Quick Thinking, I was so confused as to how Kirk even found that bomb to begin with. I rewatched it twice mm-hmm. because it didn't like. I mean, yes, I did say earlier that there were there was writing on the side of the wall, so he could have seen the writing and been like, "R. Murray, yeah." But there was no indication of that. It was kind of like he looked it off to the side and he was like, "Oh, look, there's weapons in there. Let me go get some." Um, let me set up this bomb, but it was still really confusing to me. So I was too busy wondering where Kirk got that stuff to even realize Fox quick thinking. So, yeah, me too. Me too. So, yeah. David, what are your first thoughts in this colony scene? They finally used a, they finally used a matte painting to make it seem bigger. I didn't care for the invisible aliens that they couldn't see that somehow had managed to get them pinned down mm-hmm. because it leads to way too much talking and just blankly staring at this horizon where there are hills on it and they couldn't even bother to put like little things on those hills because if you can't see them at all then they're guessing mm-hmm which means that their guesses are the best guesses that have ever occurred in millet in war ever because they're right there. It's true. So for me, I, and I'm going to chalk it up to the sixties and they just didn't have the budget for it, especially because what happens later in this episode, you totally know where all the budget went, but It's still very disappointing in this moment because to me, excuse me, it takes away a lot of the buildup because it's just, oh, we're being attacked by nameless entities. Nameless, faceless, there's nothing here. It's just, we're being bombed. It's like, okay, well, who's bombing you? Because you don't, because we don't find out anything about like the Gorn or who it is or any of that until way later. Right. And so it's just like, oh, well, you're just being bombed. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, well, that's yeah. fine, I guess. But it's just doesn't, it doesn't work for me in that sort of a sequence. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with yeah, you. Yeah, but here's the thing. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing. I actually think, I mean, I agree with you, but I actually think that was part of the buildup. I think that was a key part of the buildup not showing them because if you showed even a little bit of them it would lose the reveal later what, you would what lose, even if it was even the slightest bit of a shadow you would lose the big reveal and so i think they did it on purpose now i'm not saying that you're not right because it did take way too long for them to give us anything about them but i think that in their thinking that's probably what keeps the bill don't show them anything so i'm basing what i'm talking about off of so i've watched classic doctor who and what they would do in classic doctor who is if they have a long shot of something happening you would have figures moving on a hill you can't see them like you can't make out what they are you can't see what they're doing like they're just there and so when I say it's disappointing that they didn't have that, while what you're saying totally makes sense, 
I think you still get that really dramatic reveal as long as it's, because if we're looking at it from Kirk's perspective, it's like, oh, look, there's a dot on the hill moving around, but you can't see what it is. You just know that it's a thing. Mm -hmm. That's more what I'm talking about. It's not, I didn't need to see what it, I didn't need to see a Gorn. I just need to see that there was something on that hill over there. Does that make more sense? It does, but internally I'm screaming because you just compared the brilliance of classic Doctor Who to Star Trek, the original series. Oh, it's going to happen again. And um, yeah, I can see why you're disappointed, um. but um, yeah, <laughs> of course you're disappointed. Look at what you're comparing it to. Ladies and gentlemen, we're about to have a fight here. I mean... Oh no, we're not gonna have a fight. No, no, no I'm not gonna oh, fight. Oh no, we're not fighting. We're not gonna have a fight. Disagreeing, just disagreeing. It's okay. We're it's not, all right, I'm just, everyone. I'm just, I'm just. I don't even think we're disagreeing. It's more because no, Mel and I both no. love classic Doctor Who, yeah. but comparing. There's no, there's no way. It's he's comparing apples to like filet mignon right now. Mm. Okay. <laughs> See, I don't have that uh, juxtaposition because I have only seen like a smattering of episodes of Doctor Who. So, I sorry. Yeah. Well, anyway. No, no, it's it's totally fine. It's totally fine. Totally fine. All right. Yeah. That's that's yeah, No, we're not arguing. I'm just I understand when you when you based it on that, David. Yes, I understand what you're saying, and they could have done that. I just don't think that at this time, the showrunners and the writers, like, I don't think that those, that concept was something that they could even fathom. And who even knows if they were watching Doctor Who at this time or reference or had any kind of reference for Doctor Who at that time. You know, if, if Hollywood was making it and, and, even now, Hollywood is like, we're better than everybody else. I mean, we will steal everybody else's stuff, but we're better. <laughs> and back then, even more so. So mm -hmm. they might not even have been, I'm sure they were aware of it, but they probably weren't thinking we can take some of what they're doing and put it on our, our show. And I mean, that's fair. It's just for me, having watched a lot of the classic who and seeing them use that and then still have the big reveal later about what it was and have it yeah. not take anything away from it in this context not having that and just having them being shot at by invisible people feels lackluster and doesn't feel all the way thought through could you imagine if the course about to be invisible people and we had to watch shatner fight air i'm in I'm in, I'm in for that listen, too. I mean, that kind of anytime, <laughs> any time we can watch Shatner and what I called his elaborately choreographed tumbling routines, I'm in for it. <laughs> because because he he's in it to win it, and oh, so it is. It, and he makes it so much better. Oh, and the other thing I would like to point out is the idiocy of the Enterprise for continuing to send down almost every senior officer they have. Again, yeah. Scotty stayed on for board. For reasons? Well, yeah. 
but you don't really see him for most of this episode. Was it her in this episode? I don't think so. I will give this episode credit. There's not a random yeoman in this episode, so I'm happy about that. I don't have to remember yeoman so-and-so's name for this episode. And I would also like to point out that our death count is currently three. Three? Yeah. Oh. Already? Already? The okay. So the, yeah. Oh, the yeah. Three, Wait. The three lieutenants that came down are all dead. Oh. Well, not yet. No, there's one still alive. One got well, vaporized. One got vaporized, one died off screen, and the other one dies in the hole. And I would like to point out, when Kirk and Spock are in the hole, the other one shows up in the hole. Yes. Tells them that the other one died. Oh, moves right. to the front of the hole and is immediately shot. And then died. Yes. Kirk's, a, yes. and Kirk's and first thing he does is he moves straight to that spot where the dude got shot. I'm like, you're just dumb now. Because... They literally just shot somebody right there. So someone has a line of sight on that spot. And so you move straight there. You're Spock dead. is in charge now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, that's how it should be. Well, yeah, that is pretty fair because he's more cool, calm, collected, all I, level-headed. All I say is, too bad Bones wasn't also in the hole. <laughs> he, he was too busy, too busy telling that guy repeatedly that he was going to die. <laughs> he was going to die. Yep. He's, he's, saving, yep. he's saving lives. Uh-huh. No, he's not. Sure. No, he's not. Before they knew what was going down, they were up on that ship. McCoy was talking about getting some food that wasn't like reconstituted crap on the Enterprise. That's what he was looking forward yep. to. Yep. Which I and call, even though he didn't say it, also drink. Ex- thank you. Exactly. Because uh, I was saying, like, that's <laughs> bullshit. You really want, like, whoever invited you, you want to see what kind of booze they've got. <laughs> that's your dinner. Exactly. exactly. So, and, and maybe a meal if he's not too drunk to eat. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I digress. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's to each his own, McCoy, but just don't do it while on duty, because if I need surgery, you better not miss and, like, cut an artery or something. I need you sober. Oh, oh boy. This is going to be so much fun for everyone when we get to um, the sixth film, where it comes into play. So, yeah, it'll be fun when we get there. Yep. It will be fun. All right, so. So the photon torpedo went off and all yes, the aliens little, went away. All the aliens went away. They, uh, so they managed to, I guess, stop their attacker for the time being, which then they beam back up to the ship promptly with everybody and the survivor, who does survive, because <laughs> I think that was under 30 minutes, so probably like 28.5 that got him up there. Uh, so then, uh, so they're back up on the ship, and the alien craft that was attacking them, they had, like, gone off, but not at fast speeds. Throughout this episode, we keep hearing them say things like space speed, like, light, not like light speed. Light speed is, like, fast. I would assume fast, but 
they keep saying things like space normal speed, which means slow as shit, apparently. And like the well, aliens. I was thinking. Uh huh. I was thinking space normal speed is. Oh, it's like not even warp. Not even warp regular, one. No, it's not warp, but there's a, there's a, I'm going to look it up. Um, keep going. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So the alien ship that they're pursuing, they know that it's re- directly responsible for destroying the colony and uh, killing however many people were on that colony. So Kirk kind of has this revenge, vendetta, almost like bloodlust type of rage that's happening right now. So he's like, we got to get this ship and we got to destroy it and, and kill, 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 kill. I'm like, oh, wait, hang on. Hold up. Simmer down. But, I got it. Yeah. You got it? Imp- yes. Impulse speed. Impulse speed. Yes. Um, yeah. So, Which I guess is how they started talking about it in Next team. Generation. Once okay. It space normal, it became impulse. Right. So we know impulse speed as um, right. one of like the slowest speeds yeah, of it's before it's before warp one yeah so you got your impulse then your warp one all the way when you're in next generation all the way up to like warp nine which we'll yeah. actually discuss later in this episode too about warp capability and what this enterprise can do so and i was assuming that this enterprise I don't know how I came or where I heard this before. I thought they had on, were only capable of going to like warp five. Did anybody else hear that? I thought that too. I thought they only were able to go up to warp five. Yeah, but that's not evident in this episode, which we'll dive into in a minute. Okay, so they are in heavy pursuit of this alien ship who they have not seen and these people have not identified themselves yet except I gave it away already in the beginning of this because it's just too good. (laughs) (laughs) So they're trying to get, they're in sick bay with this survivor and they're trying to get information out of him, which I think they should not be doing because he is not in a good state to give any kind of information because one PTSD is starting to happen. He's super scared. He's probably not going to make much sense Uh, And it's just too stressful on his body. So I don't know why they're making him do this. They should have given him like a few minutes at least. And McCoy gave him like some kind of sedative. But we didn't see McCoy really do anything for this guy except put a blanket on him. (laughs) Oh, can I just say? Yeah. I love, love, love. One of the things that I absolutely love about Star Trek Mm -hmm. are the futuristic bed sheets. Oh, the sparkly stuff. Yes, I love the sparkly blankets and bed bed sheets that they have throughout this, all of the series. I mean, they have diff- they're different, but they're all sparkly and very luxurious looking. Mm-hmm. So when they showed him in his light, nice little sparkly red, red and gold sheet in six day, I was very happy. I was yeah, very excited about yeah. That. that is another thing that I've noticed in like all of the Star Trek uh, series, the the bedding was, all the fabric that they used, not just for like the bedding, but like say like the walks on a Troy's costumes, they were all of these like 
really intricate uh, fabric that you wouldn't think of using for anything. Yeah. But when you see it, you're like, oh, that's so cool as yeah. bed sheets or a really interesting ball gown or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm with you there. But sometimes they looked, they looked a little bit scratchy. Like the, that's the, true the things that you use that for blankets true. and stuff but it was still like a cool aesthetic for like futuristic wares that's, so this that's, that's one of the few things that you could look and say oh i could actually see that being something they would have in the future yeah yeah i agree everything because i notice those things all the time in like sci-fi shows and things that and if you've ever watched like the behind the scenes stuff on the star trek dvds they talk to like the costume and prop people, which I think is really cool. And like, oh yeah, that vest or whatever that you really liked, I made that out of like bike chains or <laughs> it's like all these simple like DIY things. And then they just create these lavish yeah. Yeah, armor or, you know, space suits, whatever you got. So kudos to everybody that's ever worked on the costume department for uh, Star Trek love it yeah okay so as they're pretty much grilling this poor survivor he keeps keeps saying that they never sent any messages to them so kirk is like okay well then you know who did why did they what was the purpose of all this but he keeps the survivor he keeps screaming why? Why did they attack us? They have no, no reason to attack us. There's no reason. There's no reason. Ah. Which at that point, McCoy should have gave him like a sedative to make him fall asleep because he was freaking the hell out, which is not good for your blood pressure after being almost blown up several times. And then it cut to Kirk and Spock in, I believe, uh, Kirk's quarters. They're still trying to hammer out what exactly happened, why this happened, why these people decided to destroy the colony. And Kirk just immediately kind of says, oh, it's an invasion. It's like, okay, possibly, but what evidence do you have? And the destruction of the colony is like all the evidence that he seems to need in order to pursue this alien, which is what they do. He's, he's like, oh, it's an invasion let's go. We, we just got to get him. And Spock is trying to weigh it all out. He's like, well, it's possibility that that's what this is, what this is, but it could also be, you know, like a defense thing or are we right to have had that colony there? Were we invading their space or did they have some kind of conflict with each other that we don't know about? They didn't get to the bottom of that. So in Kirk fashion, just being all gung-ho like he is, just, nope, we got to do it my way. And my way right now is I want to kill. Like, great. You want to kill something that you don't understand. You want to kill this alien and the ship just based off of what you're feeling and you're being judge, jury, and executioner right now. That was my, my takeaway from, from that. Yeah, Kurt, he escalated quickly, real, real quick. As soon as Spock started talking and being logical, 
my brain went, we should probably be listening to Vulcan because whatever is happening with Captain Kirk right now is not logical or reasonable and they need we need to do more investigating before we decide to blow up a ship full of people but Kirk was not hearing any of that he he was out for revenge and he didn't really care clear obviously we see later that he doesn't really care what anybody has to say or even about the capabilities of the ship he just wants to kill these people who he doesn't even know will be this, this other other ship. He just wants to destroy it. He has no understanding, really, of what's going on besides revenge. Right. Which they, they've been chasing this ship at about warp five or six, I think, at this point that they've gotten up to. And they've reached an uncharted region of space that they they don't know personally anything about. They've only heard rumors about this area of space. So they don't know what's out there. Uh, So it's this uncharted solar system and they're getting some readings and some other chatter from somewhere within the solar system, but they can't quite pinpoint it because Kirk is still just focused on getting this alien ship. And then this alien ship just all of a sudden starts getting faster and getting up to like warp seven. And then mm-hmm. Kirk is like, all right, let's go to warp seven too. And I was like, wait a minute. Can you, can you even go to warp seven with this ship? Enter Scotty and spend both Spock both told him it's like, sure, we can go to warp seven, but we're not going to be able to maintain it for very long, which to me suggests that that ship was never capable of going to warp seven ever, which I mean, becomes apparent in this episode later on. Body had, sorry, my favorite line right here of the episode. He said, we'll either catch them or we'll blow up. Right. Like he's, (laughs) he's not trying to sugarcoat it. He's like, listen, we're either going to catch them or we're going to die. Like, FYI, yeah. Captain. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. oh, okay. And, and Keep going. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't care. I mean, it was perfect because clearly Spock trying to be reasonable with this, this man who's, who has lost it, is not mm-hmm. working. And Scotty is, you know, like, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Like, this is what's going to happen. Kirk still didn't care, but at least there was somebody there to tell him, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be easy. And even after saying all that to him, he's like, oh, all right. Well, then, let's go to warp eight. Yep. I was like, oh, yes. my God. Seriously? They just said you're going to blow up if you go any faster. <laughs> Don't yeah. care. Yeah. Nope. Nope. <laughs> wait, at wait. that point, you have to... Cl- you have to question him as a captain because there are, what, 500, 800 other people on that ship? Yeah, about. And his single-mindedness is possibly going to cause all of those people to die because he is so set on revenge, despite the fact that his senior officers are telling him, <laughs> no, he doesn't care. And at that point, you have to question again, 
I think I've done this every single episode we've reviewed, I say, who made this man a captain? He is not a good one. And Starfleet needs to pull him and bring him back to Earth and, I don't know, make him the captain of a medical supply ship or something on short runs, you know, that don't take him out of the solar system because clearly he cannot function. He can't be trusted. (laughs) Not at all. It's like, I don't know what happened in his childhood that scarred him and then made him this way. But yeah, it's just total disregard for everybody's life. And I'm like, everybody on that, on that bridge just gave him the look like, are you kidding me? You don't give a shit about my life. Not, <laughs> why, not why even am a little I, bit. Why am I here? I'm going to transfer. Yeah. Next space station, yeah. I'm out. I am gone. Yeah. Like, bye. I mean, if it was up to me, I would have left like five episodes ago. I'd have been like, no, I need, I, mm, mm. Yeah. peace out. Can I have Mr. Spock? Please say my transfer papers between the renegade captain and the drunk doctor. I'm not safe. What are your thoughts about that, David? There's a whole lot going on here. Um, this is all just, I didn't really think much about this sequence at all, just because it's just on form for the characters as they are presented. That's kind of how the original Star Trek is. I see an alien, we should kill it. Should we learn anything about it? No, we should just shoot it. Okay, well, it, like, the only time that they don't do that is if they don't have weapons. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, well, we can't really shoot it, so we might, we might as well make friends with it, because hopefully it doesn't shoot us. It, he just... I, I didn't really have any issue, because, Scotty, I mean, the ship can go seven or eight. It's established by, like... Uh, next generation time, their ships are going like, I think 9.5 is the fastest that they can go, but they can push it f- further than that because... But it's not a good idea. No, but they do say like warp 10 is like it's... they can't do warp 10. No. Um, so 9.5, Jordy is sweating. Jordy is about to have some kind of a stroke. (laughs) He probably already has. Yeah. um, (laughs) Little mini ones. (laughs) But yeah, no, so I didn't have as much thoughts about this just because it was all on brand for all the characters. So I was just like, all right, this is happening. Yeah. (laughs) Wake me when something interesting happens. and, And then it was like, all right, well. Well, it's about to right now. Right. (laughs) So with uh, Kirk's eagerness to kill this alien, the alien ship does actually start to slow down and then it turns in like what Kirk assumes is a fighting posture, but they've, the ship completely powers down. And then all of a sudden the Enterprise completely powers down too. And they're like, oh my God, what happened? It's like, what did the aliens do? It's like, no, it's not that ship enter new alien territory time so scotty says they are dead in the water no power anywhere no weapons nothing they've got life support but nothing else is on and they can't fix it scotty cannot fix it and kirk is like well you can fix it right you're scotty and he's like dude no i just can't it's like keep your pants on. 
like I'll figure something out, but I can't just flip a switch and then it's all on again. Relax. But there's no damage done to the ship, just no power. Uh, likewise with the alien ship, apparently. So they are, they have sensors, I guess, apparently, because Uhura's like, oh, there is something out there. The sensors are finding something out there. And Spock realizes that they and the other alien ship are being held there by some entity, some force within, somewhere within the solar system where they are. View of the view screen pops up on the view screen this, I don't want to say kaleidoscope, but it's like this very trippy, like multicolored spectral thing that pops it's up on the screen. It's called an acid trip. Thank you. Yes. Acid trip. <laughs> and then someone starts speaking and they call themselves the Metrons. So they're an alien species that live within that solar system. So the new alien, the Metrons, have deemed the alien ship and the Enterprise too violent for their liking, which is why they stopped them, because they have entered their space and they really don't want to deal with any hostile alien people, because these aliens, I believe, are thinking that they are far more advanced and more enlightened and have moved past the days of settling arguments with violence. So they say, we will not let you, you know, do this to each other. They feel like they should both just be annihilated. In their eyes, that would solve the problem. But They're not wrong. Well, technically, no, they're not wrong. But Kirk is like, oh, now, okay, now I have to be the captain and think about the people on this ship. It's like, oh, took you long remember, enough. Remember, the only reason that is, is because mm-hmm. they don't have any weapons. Oh, yes. Good point. So they are clearly outclassed. And so it stops being, we should murder everything. And it goes right. to, oh, this is a problem. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. So this is where the fun starts to happen now. And I use that term loosely. <laughs> but it may be fun for some people. I don't know. So the Metrons have decided to help the crew of both ships by throwing Kirk and the captain of the alien ship on an asteroid together to fight it out. Now, if Kirk wins, then these Metron aliens will destroy the other alien ship so that they can go on their merry way and vice versa. This whole interaction is very much like a gladiator arena type situation they just throw them in the pit give them a few things that they need in order to use as weapons and then just fight to the death and then whoever wins can can leave what do you think about that i thought it was brilliant yeah makes sense yeah i was happy i was happy when they when the metrons came onto the Screen. I was happy when they were like, we don't want to deal with you fools. I was happy when they were like, you are going to fight it out because we don't got time for this BS. And I was just happy. I was like, finally, someone is not stupid is going to like help with the situation. <laughs> this is going to be great. Yeah. 
I was just happy that where they decided to send them was a rock. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to a rock with painted rocks in it. Because they definitely painted a lot of rocks. Mm-hmm. They did. They did. Oh, God, it was so funny. Oh, it's just going to get even better. <laughs> so this is our actual introduction to the alien that they have been pursuing for like half this episode. It is the Gorn. The Gorn are, for those who don't know, are a lizard type person. So it's got like a human body, green, of course, but a, a lizard head. And it does talk. It does talk. But it hisses most of the time. But it, it can speak. <laughs> so this is your first seeing of the Gorn. What did you think, Mel? I thought he was brilliant. I'm not going to lie. The detail that they put into it was great. I loved the eyes. Uh-huh. The sparkly, like, rhinestone crystal eyes. But also, when you first see it, it blinks. It does. And that, for that time period and the fact that they actually didn't have any money that season, the fact that they rigged it so that the eyes would blink, I thought, I, I really, really appreciated that aspect of it. But I appreciated the whole costume. I thought it was brilliant. I thought they did a really good job on it. And I understand why it was so memorable because seeing that back then, that would have been like mind blowing to see right. that type of costuming on your TV screen. And probably for children, really scary to see this oh, yeah. beefy alien lizard man. So yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. David, what did you think of the Gorn? I've seen it before, so the the reveal didn't really do much for me. But I also will give them credit for the blinking of the eyes. That was a really nice touch, I felt, especially for the time period where they just didn't do that. So as Mel said, I give them a lot of credit for that. I also give them credit for the mouth moving. Yeah. So when he talks, the mouth actually moves a little bit. And so I give them credit for that, too. Mm -hmm. But, I mean... They're on a desert planet, and they're going to fight, presumably. Which is, yes, what's about to happen. I think the only downfall of the Gorn outfit or uh, costume, the actor inside probably couldn't move very well, which is very apparent in this coming fight scene. But it just added, yeah. for me, it just added uh, humor to this episode. This was, this... But it didn't need to, need to be humorous. This was not a fight scene. This was an elaborate hug <laughs> <laughs> that took place over a desert for the first, at least for the first portion, because it's a whole lot of Kirk walking up to it and just being like, and it's yep. just grabbing him. And I'm going to use a wrestling reference again. It's like Hulk Hogan in the 80s. Bear yeah. hug, yeah. take you around. Yeah. And it's just it's just an elaborate hug. Yeah. Where I'm not yeah. sure how you win. Mm-hmm. It's like but... when Hogan did it, I'm not sure how you win. And then when the Gorn did it, I'm not sure how he wins. Yeah. Because he doesn't really seem to be hurting him. He's just hugging him. That's all he really he wants. 
<laughs> Gorn just needs, wants a hug. Yeah, Gorn needs love too. <laughs> I want to point something out of my thought process uh, before the fight. Yeah. So the, the, the Metrons tell Kirk that they're going to give him a communicator so he can communicate with his adversary. And they're going to give him a weapon. They're going to... Go ahead. They... uh, Yeah, the communicator, yes. But they said that they were going to put them both on a planet that had what they needed to fashion weapons. So they they had to do it themselves. Yeah, they had to do it themselves. You are correct. My My thing about it from the get was... Why didn't Kirk try to communicate with the Gorn? Why didn't he tr- at least try? At this point, he's on a alien. He's in an alien place in an alien situation, dealing with an alien species. He should have at least tried, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. That was that was the most baffling part of it to me. That he didn't even try. It's it. I could understand if he didn't. Un, if he didn't realize, if he wasn't told that he could communicate, but he was told, and he never even was like, "Yo, why did you?" Because I would have been like, "Why'd you attack the colony?" And if he had asked that, and the Gorn said what the answer was, we wouldn't have had the rest of the episode. But I mean, I understand why we needed the rest of the episode and I understand why Kirk didn't ask because he's an idiot but the communication would have saved a lot of time <laughs> right which is why that's yeah. probably a yeah that subject in school in the academy is like yo here's a alien communication 101 like <laughs> When dealing with a Gorn, do you go straight for the hug or do you ask yeah. to hug him first? <laughs> Who cares? It depends on how I'm feeling on that particular day because if I'm having a bad yeah. day, a hug might be the best thing that I need. If I'm having right. a better day, perhaps armed combat is what I'm feeling. It just depends <laughs> on what I'm feeling like that particular <laughs> If it's, if it's 100 degrees on the asteroid, you don't want a hug or arm combat. All you want is AC and ice cream. Yes. <laughs> Tons of that. Tons of that. It's really hot, everyone. It's really, really hot. It's so hot. Mel's in California. David and I are here in the Seattle area. 93 that it got to today? Good. I think it was like 97 or 98 here. It was 100 yesterday. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. no. No. Just no. Yeah. So. The other thing is, I think that Kirk, I really think that Kirk thought he was the superior. Oh, for so sure. He was, was like, I'm going to beat this guy. I can fight him and beat him. And then that was not the case. That was not the case. I, okay, so when they started fighting, I, I've been streaming this on one of my many streaming services. I thought that my connection was starting to fail and like lag. So when they were fighting, 
it was so slow each movement and and hit so i would like back it up and watch it again and then i realized after like the third time it's like oh no they're just really that slow it's nothing yeah. to do with my connection no. uh, they weren't even really hitting it you could really tell that they were making contact but not a lot of force because i i don't know how good the um stage fighting acting stuff was in the 60s because you can totally tell in this scene that it's obviously fake <laughs> oh no sorry yes 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 you do know how good stage fighting was back in the 60s because you're watching it now i am watching it now <laughs> when i say that this looks like an elaborate hug i'm not kidding because move very slowly if this was a middle school slow dance boys move faster towards the women than they do in this particular fight all for the same ending goal which is to dance slowly like this yeah. <laughs> my arms around yeah. you i mean i'm pretty sure the gorn could have gotten to second base before <laughs> they were going <laughs> i mean i and that's the problem is that's the entire fight is Kirk moves slowly towards him, hits him in the chest a few times, and then is hugged. Yes. Yeah. And then he manages to like get his arms free and does the, you know, like the karate chop with the ears uh, on his ears, on the Gorn's ears, which, right. which I guess are very sensitive because he dropped him and then was able to run away, which I call bullshit because I think the Gorn is a lot stronger than Kirk. To be fair, have someone punch you in the ears like that, I'm pretty certain you will drop whoever you're holding too. Yeah. Because yeah. even if the Gorn, because the Gorn is obviously stronger than him, but it's not about probably strength or anything, it's about surprise. Mm -hmm. Because you get clapped in the ears that hard, your ears are going to have to figure there's some stuff out and that's going to throw off your balance and it's a whole thing. Well, it's fair and enough. He's a lizard, so. And he's a lizard, so I'm not up to date on the lizard anatomy, so I don't even know if he really actually got him like directly in the ears or if he got him somewhere else. <laughs> but right. it's just kind of what I'm basing it off of. I could be wrong. That's yeah. okay. And that's okay. <laughs> I don't have to be right all the time. <laughs> okay, so yes. Kirk and the Gorn. Kirk runs off to try it find uh, these weapons that the Metrons have set that are on the planet and all he's seeing is like more rocks some dust yes David please, please note that in this sequence we see the first time of many times to show once again what a small area they had to film in a small tuft of bamboo which I don't think would be on this thing <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because it is the only piece of bamboo that they see in the entire time, and it's the same one. And he goes back to it five times, roughly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like Mel was saying, the Kirk and the Gorn did get like communicators or recorders, recording devices. So Kirk takes the opportunity to use this and 
what he's thinking and making a final captain's log of this fight with the Gorn. And he's, he says things like, the Gorn, he has superior strength. He's a lot stronger than me. I feel weakened already. And something happened where like he messed up his leg because he's hobbling around on his leg. So that, that hug probably did a little damage and getting thrown down. That's later. Mr. Mr. James Tiberius Kirk (laughs) turned into a whiny little bitch. Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He did because he he said something like, I was just looking at my notes and I didn't write it down. Mm -hmm. I got too invested in this situation to, to take notes. He said something like, I did several things that would have killed a human. What now? I watched it. You didn't do anything that would kill not even an ant. What the hell are you talking about? It to me was like the bully got knocked out by the kid he's been bullying and now he's trying to tell everyone <laughs> that the kid cheated. It's like, no, 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 no. You're sitting here monologuing into this communicator about how you know I'm this I'm that and he's so much stronger than me and I saw it and where's my weapon and they lied and said I was gonna shut up Jesus stop talking stop giving this man monologues I don't want to hear him somebody kill him already sorry it's okay it's all right what we're here for vent and that's why we do these episodes (laughs) it's really sad when you cheer for the adversary instead of the main character of the show i wanted the gorn to kill him i know it wasn't going to happen but i was hoping he would take him out in a bear hug i was like yes do something with this man and maybe then they'll send down mccoy and you kill him too he's completely useless I mean, you're, <laughs> listen, I I feel bad because we wouldn't, if you hadn't agreed to do this podcast, you wouldn't have been having to deal with this, but you did. So now you have to deal with all of the joys of this. And as far as like disliking or wanting the adversary to win, it's all about which adversary it is. Because there are plenty of adversaries that deserve to win. Because they're just better. They're just better. Like, technically speaking, Q deserves to win. Listen, what are you talking about? We will talk about Q when we get to him. Because I have thoughts and feelings and emotions. Don't bring him up right now. Don't try to confuse my emotions of the Gorn with my emotions of Q. Because you know that I am thoroughly invested in Next Generation. Don't try to conflate the two and get me twisted. I'm not getting you twisted. I'm, I'm merely stating you wanting the Gorn to win, I think, had less to do with you wanting the Gorn to win and more to do with if Kirk dies now, the series is over and we can immediately start on reviewing Next Generation. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it actually wasn't... <laughs> That's a good point, and maybe subconsciously, yes, but it wasn't even that deep. 
I wanted the Gorn to win because inherently I've never seen this episode before. I didn't know that that was called, they were called the Gorn. I've seen the image. That was it. To me, it all goes back to what Spock alluded to earlier. I inherently had some kind of understanding that whatever was happening that made the Gorn attack the colony was reasonable and relevant. And Kirk was neither of those things. I felt like he was the bully. And if he had just communicated and said, yo, why did you attack them? He would have figured out what the real true issue was and it could have been dropped. But he didn't do that. And that, that was my overarching problem. Now, to a lesser extent, I don't want to hear this man do another monologue. So the fact that he was sitting on a rock crying about being beaten was driving me crazy. And then we get like two more. Jesus, shoot me in the foot. Who's writing these monologues for him? They need to stop. I mean, I, mean, I know they stopped, but they needed to stop back then. I mean... You only have two seasons more of this, so, you know, settle in. But <laughs> I would like to point out that I'm very amused that he forgot that they could talk to each other. So this little device that he has, and he's talking into it, I like the little thing of the Gorn's head appearing over a rock with the thing in his hand as he's just yeah. listening to him talk. Because I'm just like, well, I mean, the Gorn knows. <laughs> Hey, I can hear you. I also like the fact that Gorn doesn't tell him that he's been listening to his conversation until way later. <laughs> because the Gorn is not an idiot. No. Kirk is trying to find a weapon to defeat this Gorn. Now, I don't know if these were natural properties of the asteroid itself or if the Metrons just threw all this crap on the asteroid and hoped that they would figure it out. But there is like a vast deposit of raw diamonds and I guess rubies and all kinds of other like precious gemstones that Kirk says he would give up in an instant for a hand phaser. I'm like, okay. Whining again. Okay. Okay. I have I have something. Yeah. I meant to go back and look this up, but I didn't because I forgot. Kirk says the diamond is the hardest material in the universe. Correct. A, two things popped into my head. One is, then use it as a weapon, you moron. <laughs> and two, I thought, wait a minute, because a few episodes ago, Spock was like, this is the hardest material in the universe. And then he broke it with his hand. Like oh, yeah, it yeah. was a piece of fiber. Mm-hmm. And, um, or not fiber, but sugar glass. And so which one is the hardest material in the universe? Like, can they figure out what they're saying? Can the writers go Get back together. and re- put something happening? But yeah, yes, uh, diamonds, very hard, can kill. Use them, even if you're just throwing those bad boys at that fool. But if he gets you with another bear hug and you have a diamond in each hand and you whop him on the side of the head, hmm, probably going to cause some damage, if not kill him altogether. 
Yeah. But he was too busy monologuing and whining to even think about that. Right. Because if you get two pieces that are fairly like sharp enough and look kind of like a knife, you could stab him. Yeah. Stab him good. Exactly. Because, I mean, you know, my current line of work, I massage people for a living. And when people leave their diamond rings on, that shit hurts. That really hurts. Leaving your ring on when you give a massage, you take everything off. That's what I tell them, but they just don't do it. <laughs> it's like giant fucking rings, just giant. Yeah, you could just cut a bitch with those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so. <clears throat> yeah, if your ring if your ring is that big, you should probably take it off when you're getting massaged, or like um a manicure because. Yeah. Yeah. So FYI, everybody out there, take your jewelry off, please. Just your just your big diamond. Leave you leave your wedding band on. That's fine. That's Put fine. Your big diamond, like you don't need that Mm-mm. bad boy on. Yeah, they hurt. They really do. Which is why these raw diamonds are on the little asteroid, but. For some reason, Kirk really can't put it together yet that this could be useful. So he continues to investigate around the the planet and he stumbles upon some yellow uh, dust material, which uh, he says is uh, sulfur. And I don't think sulfur is yellow. Not too sure. But again, this is like another uh, material thing that we find out. Sulfur is yellow. It is yellow? Okay. Yep. This is another piece of material that we find out that Kirk is eventually going to use. So he needs, I think he needs like four or five things in order to make a weapon. Uh, But before... My thing about the sulfur is... Yeah. He shouldn't have been able to be that close to it. I mean, maybe in powder form it's different, but like it would have affected him smelling it and, and ingesting it in his it would have affected him. He would have been coughing and, and feeling nauseous or whatever. Right. But, you know. Yeah. Why yeah. make things realistic? <laughs> why indeed. <laughs> so as he's, like, trudging around looking for stuff, he does go up. He's on, like, a half part of a cliff, and then he notices the Gorn down below, and then he, like, looks off to the side, and he sees a boulder up on the cliff, and then he's like, oh, I'll just go up there, climb up there, and push this rock over and hope to God that it crushes the Gorn. So he climbs up there, and he's struggling to push this boulder. And then he manages to push it over the edge. And it does fall on the Gorn. So Kirk assumes, I believe, that he's dead. So he climbs down to the Gorn body to investigate, which I think was a fucking dumb move. And of course, the Gorn is not dead. And I think it was just like his arm or leg was pinned uh, under the the boulder. It was on his chest. Well, he was like face down. Semi-face down. Yeah, it was on his chest area because it was on his body still. Okay. Um, I would like to point out the rock that he pushed down is the same rock that the Gorn threw at him earlier. <laughs> I mean, I, under- I understand 
they small budgets but as soon as i saw it up on the on the top of the, the little hill i was just like huh that looks suspiciously like the rock that gorn threw at him earlier hmm, who like knew? i've seen that before <laughs> awesome what i also what i what i would like to point out is the gorn didn't spend his time whining about not having a weapon he figured it out he was making a trap he figured it out quick yeah he was, he was like he, he was making a shiv he yes he exactly made, yeah he made a yeah. shiv and then he made yeah. some kind of trap he yeah. had like boulders and like vines and stuff and yeah he set that up somewhere he got it together while kirk was whining about not having a weapon and oh yes uh, that, that is another reason why he should have won <laughs> he's like oh i'm just gonna use this to my advantage while he's talking i'm just gonna make some stuff yeah honestly the the shiv that he made pretty good pretty pretty mm -hmm. good so all the while that this is going on down on the the asteroid little asteroid planet cut back to the enterprise and spock scotty and everybody they're still trying to get the ship up and running and they're still trying to find the captain and get him back up on the ship but nothing is working so spock decides that they need to try and communicate with the metrons but the metrons said earlier that they were not going to communicate with them at all until this fight was over fair enough i think but since it's such a dire situation, Spock, in all his logic and wisdom, is like, okay, we need to at least talk to these people and see if we can negotiate something with them. But for me, like, these aliens, no. It's like, they've already decided that they're not going to listen to the crew of the Enterprise because they've already deemed them too violent to... Uh, make rational decisions, really. And I mean, they're not wrong, even after 300, 400 years or whatever it is in the future, we still have, unfortunately, these violent tendencies. And we don't look before we leap, which is kind of the situation that uh, the Metrons are talking about. When we do go back to the planet and the fighting and when the Gorn does get back up from being smushed by the boulder. He is very slow at trying to stab Kirk. Very I slow. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like, He's so. slow at everything, though. He was slow at everything. I was like, here it comes. Here it comes. Oh. No, it's not happening. Okay. Because it took, like, it felt like it took well over a minute for him to get his arm up. To the position of stabby stab which kirk was like bye and he just ran away <laughs> off to wherever and running through the place and then he did get all caught up in the gorn's little trap like i was thinking oh no he's done for but i, I like i know he's not done for because it's captain kirk but that was my initial thought I was like oh nope he's done he's screwed and then here comes the gorn all hissing at him and moving slowly, of course, and the stabbing again. It's like, oh, I'm so slow. And then 
it was clearly enough time for Kirk to wiggle out of the trap and run away again. Yeah. He shouldn't have been able to get out of that trap. This is when Kirk's leg gets messed up. From the trap? Um, yeah. yeah. And I give good old Bill Shatner credit for his wonky leg acting. Because he kept it up for the most part. Although, at some point, he forgot what leg it was. So he switched to a different, the other leg. But, oh, did he? Yeah. But, you know, it's not, you know, at least he's, at least he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's true. true. I'll give him that. I mean, his stunt acting in this episode was good. I mean, I like the rolling. (laughs) I always think that's funny. (laughs) Is it helpful? Maybe. Does it help the scene? Sometimes. Is it funny? Yeah. (laughs) All the time, it's funny. Okay, so Kirk is hobbling off now. We go back to... The Enterprise, and after however long Enterprise time is, Spock does finally get through to the the Metrons, and he's trying to get them to understand that they didn't mean for this kind of thing to happen, because Spock and Scotty, and I'm sure everybody else on that ship, was going to bitch slap the captain and be like, look, we have to at least call these aliens first before we go and kill them. So with that logic that Spock has, he does manage to persuade these aliens to at least let them see what's happening down on the asteroid. So it's on their view screen for everybody to see. So it's kind of like the final final fight between Kirk and the Gorn and all of the Enterprise are watching it. That's only because they've the aliens felt that the captain was losing and oh right. They, they were not cruel. They were like, you deserve to see how this ends up. Oh yes, yes. And then they also say, yeah, they think that he's Kirk is going to lose. So they think that they're being nice and letting the crew know that and prepare them for whatever gods that they believe in to prepare themselves for their destruction. <laughs> because your captain's gonna lose. And the name of the game was whoever loses, that captain dies, and everybody on the ship. So that, of course, would put me into, like, panic mode and be like, oh, my God, how do we resolve this without dying? I think they were all pretty panicked, except Spock, who probably wasn't at all surprised that Kirk was losing. But I think everybody else was pretty panicked that he was losing so badly. And that to the point where the Gorn felt it would be more merciful to allow them to watch its defeat <laughs> to prepare themselves. Right? Which I find hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think that's funny. But yeah, I mean, everybody looked pretty concerned and pretty scared. Yeah. I mean, rightfully so. And I think it was more, I think it was actually less about them dying and more about being Kirk being defeated. Because if you, I mean, if you think about it, he has been elevated to the point of kind of, he can't lose. Yeah. And he was losing. So that had to be. Yeah. That's part. I think that's part Kirk. He's arrogant in thinking that he's never going to lose. 
Mm-hmm. And then he's finally faced with this kind of situation where it's very possible that he might lose. He doesn't want to, obviously. Yeah. Nobody wants to, especially in a, like, a fight to the death. But in yeah. other instances, he does not want to lose. Mm-mm. And he's very arrogant in thinking that he can get away with a lot of things, which is annoying. Yeah. It, it, it is definitely annoying. <laughs> but that's his, that's his M.O., he thinks that he's right about everything and he can get away with everything. And it's like, mm, right, right. you're not. As, as is evident from the first movie. I mean, that was above and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. But I digress on that. So we finally get to hear the Gorn talk, which I thought was great. And it's like the, it's like the final fight and the Gorn is like, oh, by the way, I don't even know if you were aware of this, Kirk, but I have been listening to everything you've been recording on your little device. And I think, Kirk, I swear I saw this look on his face like, oh, I didn't know you could hear me. Whoops. It's like, that was yeah. private. Yeah. It's like, sure, Captain's logs are private, but this is not the Enterprise computer logging your entries, which, right. by the way, apparently everybody listens yeah. to your Captain's logs anyway. So nothing's private. Nothing is private on that ship. Lock your damn door. <laughs> it's like, get a better security password for your captain's logs. It's like, protect your stuff. Something. So at that point when the Gorn is talking to Kirk, that's when Kirk finally decides to talk to him about <laughs> Sesta 3. And I was like, oh, finally. Right. Finally, you're going to talk to him about Sesta 3. So, and the Enterprise crew can hear everything that they're saying to each other as well. So they're listening in. They're like, oh, what about the, what about the colony? What do we miss? So they're just as eager to find out what's, what happened. So the Gorn basically says that the colony that was there was in their space. And they feel like the humans invaded their space. So they were well within their rights to destroy them without provocation. Fair enough, I think. Exactly. Fair enough. Which makes me want to ask the question, why didn't Starfleet investigate the area before putting a colony down? I'm sorry, you need to make people aware if there's any other civilizations on this planet or any alien hostile forces that would be offended by us taking one of their planets but no someone didn't do any research i mean and this is early days so this is still the arrogance of p of man just doing whatever they want it's there is no like oh i wonder because like by the time next generation rolls around that's something that they do mm-hmm. to a certain degree but it's not something to do all the time. Like if they scan a planet, there's nothing there. They're still going to put people there. But it's it's much more like if they enter a solar system that belongs to it, like it's another alien race is the dominant thing. If they want to set up a Federation depot there, they have to ask them first. Mm-hmm. So my question so is, it's like where dynamic? where did their common sense go in the future? For me, it's you like a com- common you? sense, common sense issue. <laughs> I 
I like, wouldn't you agree? I mean, yeah, but you're t- you're giving them way too much credit. Okay, I'm gonna make a reference here. I <laughs> I know you hated it, but in Enterprise, the Enterprise series, when I watched that and then watched the original series, they fucked up so hard in Enterprise with everything compared to what Kirk is doing. Not to say it's not bad as well, but I think that they have learned a lot in Kirk's time from, uh, what's his face, Archer. And that's all I'll say about that. I'm sorry, David. I know you hate it so much. (laughs) It's, listen, it's at least when Enterprise and Captain Archer are flying around, and even when with the Discovery series and all that, they're still new. Like, it's it's all new. It's an all, like, they're going to make the mistakes. My problem is, is that by the time they get to Kirk, they haven't actually learned anything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you know, we've had a battle with, the, like, the Klingons hate us, and we fought them, and the Romulans hate us, and we fought them. And it's like, well, perhaps you need to think about how you're, looking at your, your galaxy exploring. How about we look at that instead of just blindly shooting. I want. Loop to do. <laughs> <laughs> right? Anyway, off on my soapbox there. As the final fight is happening, this is where the Gorn, you know, obviously says that um, their their space has been invaded, so they were justified. And then it cuts to McCoy on the Enterprise, kind of coming to the realization like, oh shit, why didn't we ask if there was anybody that had claimed to this planet? And he's like, oh my God, we fucked up so bad. I was like, yes, you did. You did. He's like, this is all our fault. I'm like, yes, yes it is. What are you going to do about it now? Uh, what, what was funny to me is that as everybody is coming to the revelation of, oh damn, we messed up. It, it's an one eight. It's like a one eighty. Because the Gorn attacked that colony. Because they probably felt like they were gonna about to be invaded. Exactly. By this group. Exactly. And that is exactly why. Kirk decided to chase them because in his mind, they were the beginning of an, of an invasion. And literally all they did was destroy a colony and leave. They didn't settle. <laughs> they didn't come to a planet and just try to take over. They blew it up and then they left and were going back to their own planet. That was the thing that got me. It's like, hello, if you guys ever just stop and have a, a think and try to look at it from another perspective you will see that maybe you're wrong i know that's a lot to ask of this crew but it's the right thing mm-hmm. totally this crew i mean it it's <laughs> also it needs to be said that the voice of gorn of the gorn is the returning ted cassidy Lurch from Adam's family and was in um, 
was the voice of Baylock in the Corbinite Maneuver and also played the android in What Little Girls Are Made Of. So he's made a lot of appearances in this. So it's a whole, you know, and he's back again because he has a cool voice and it makes it work for the masses and that's fine. My thing is just, it's just the, the big art complaint I have against this episode is everything takes too long. Mm-hmm. It takes too long to build. It takes too long to execute. It takes too long. And yeah, and most of the fight between the Gorn and Kirk is Kirk just running around and the Gorn looking menacingly around a rock. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. they're just not like for a battle that's to the death. Once the Gorn has his shiv, he's going straight for Kirk. But this all takes forever. We needed three monologues. That's why. Especially what happens now. Because as the as the ship is watching it happen, mm-hmm. Spock comes to the realization that the weird things on the planet could potentially do something. Now, because he's Spock, he doesn't tell anybody, so the rest of the ship is like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah. Kirk then starts, looks around for something. He finds what is obviously not a bamboo tube, but looks like one, and just starts putting stuff in it. Puts diamonds diamonds in it, and some sulfur in it, and some other, and just Potassium nitrate. Potassium nitrate is the other thing, and uh, coal. Kirk then stops running, dumps everything out of the tube, and has to grind it up. (laughs) And then he puts the sulfur in, and the potassium, and then he puts the diamond in, Mm -hmm. and then he's got this little thing, and he's going to light it. I have several questions about this cannon. Like, where is the actual fuse from the cannon to where the spark is? How did he light it? Because he just seems to light a fire underneath it, and it's going to cause it to explode. My other problem with this is that also implies that there is that the tube of bamboo is hollow, so everything he put in it would be lying on the rock. The Gorn, because it takes him 12 hours to get anywhere, (laughs) slowly ambles into frame. There's a big explosion. Kirk goes flying one way. The Gorn is down with multiple diamonds stuck into his chest. (laughs) There's a moment of silence where no one says anything except there's just a Gorn who looks dead. And Kirk is like covered in stuff. The Gorn vanishes. No, no, wait. And then, okay. No, wait, wait, wait. He doesn't vanish yet. So Kirk uh, picks himself up, grabs the shiv, and is about to stab the Gorn, and then realizes, I shouldn't do this. It's wrong. I'm not going to kill him now. And then we need to talk about the alien appears above him, looking like Hermes the Greek god. (laughs) I just was expecting him to have like the little wings on the side of his helmet. And I'm just like, what is, I'm like, what is this? Who is this? What is going on? Oh my God. He looks like, but the aliens look like any old, like 
film that takes place in Rome or Greece. They're wearing <laughs> a toga. They're t it, they've got the hair. He's got the little halo like, thing. I don't, what? Yeah. I'm just like this. This doesn't make any sense at all. Mm -hmm. It was fabulous, then, though. It was right. sparkly too. Sparkly. Absolutely. So sparkly. He then tells. It was sparkly. The alien then goes, oh, you have compassion. There's hope for you yet. How quaint of them. <laughs> they then have a conversation where he then says, well, we could kill the Gorn for you anyway. And Kirk's like, yeah, but then they don't learn. The person who didn't learn anything throughout this is Kirk. Yeah. He didn't learn a goddamn thing. Okay. He feels that the Gorn still need to learn something and the Gorn need to learn well, you can't just slaughter things and not have a conversation. That's what you, you were know, doing this whole episode. Even <laughs> you didn't even talk to them. You made them feel more threatened. So not what less. is yeah? So what is an alien to do? Come on. <laughs> so he agrees to let them leave. So the Gorn gets to go, and then Kirk gets to go back to the ship. Mm -hmm. Huzzah! Huzzah! I would like to point out when Kirk reappears on the ship, he's neat already taken a shower. This is bullshit because at no point did the alien say, oh, when we transport you from the rock to the ship, we're going to bathe you. Because <laughs> if he had, Kirk would have been like, okay, but I need it to be three Rigelian slave girls. <laughs> and they have to have sponges. Yeah. That, that's that's what he would have done but he reappears on the ship and he's freshly clean he's wearing a clean outfit his hair is all in the right place it's like he's never been gone stupid stupid so stupid so and and that's pretty much the end of it <laughs> pretty much is we do learn that the the metron that came to see him is 1500 earth years old and then he says things like, oh, there's probably hope for you. But maybe in a thousand years, if we meet again, then you'll be more civilized. So it's a lot of backhanded compliment kind of things from this all-knowing being, which honestly is fair. Just get Kirk off your rock and on his merry way. And hopefully in another thousand years, whoever comes along next is not going to be a dick. It's the dream. It's the dream. It is the dream. That we will progress to a point where we'll stop hating each other, where we'll stop jumping to conclusions and thinking that murdering an alien is the best thing to do. You know? I, I wish so much for a future like that. But this is where we are in this fantasy of Star Trek. Yeah, that's basically it for this episode. But, oh, one more thing. The Metrons, I guess, apparently sent them back about 500 parsecs away from their solar system. Meaning, you got to go, but, you know, you, you can't stay here, you got to go. And that's kind of that. He, Kirk tells Sulu, uh, let's go back to Sesta 3 and, you know, do a proper investigation and evaluation. <laughs> I was just well, assuming. Don't forget, don't forget that the before they left, they beamed down 50 medical personnel. Oh my God, that's right, they did. So there are 50, oh, yeah. 50 medical personnel on the planet 
doing who knows what at this point. And I mean, if I was them, I would be like, this is bullshit. Yeah. I think they were supposed to be looking for survivors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. I... Sure. Sure. Why not? These things. I didn't might realize they had that many medical crew on the that, ship. Right. That was that was my follow-up question. Uh huh. I'm like, I'm like, how did you get fifty medical personnel? I don't understand. Yeah, because we've only seen McCoy and Nurse Chapel. Yeah. Well, <laughs> apparently there's many more of them, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just one of those things where it's just like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, that would be nice to know, like, how many people are in each department. Yeah. Well, they've already established at this point, there's no way they normally carry fifth. There's no way. Oh. Because... Past episodes? They said that? With, well, because with all the medical stuff that they dealt with before now, mm-hmm. where the hell are the other 50, 50 doctors at? Good question. Good question. Like, in Miri, where's the other 50 doctors? Like, where's all the other medical assistants? Nope, we don't have time for any of that. No medical assistants. You're stuck being you. Ha ha. It's like, mm, <laughs> I don't think that works. It just doesn't work for you're, me. You're screwed. You're stuck with the drunk doctor. You are. Good luck. <laughs> I see I have you down for an amputation. No, no, I just have a sty in my eye. Amputate! <laughs> I have you down for an amputation. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just weird and doesn't work for me. And it's just, yeah, no. Yeah. Well, that wraps up this episode. So final thoughts. Melanie, you're up. <laughs> um, I, do I have any? <laughs> that is the question. Um... I uh, I don't know I don't know how this is a classic other than the suit the Gorn suit because what the hell it it really feels like two separate episodes the first part is the getting to the planet and the chase and the second part is being on the asteroid fighting the Gorn and they are not like cohesive. They don't really fit together at all. It's like two separate episodes that they kind of force together. I got that um, feeling too. Yeah, and it's like if you, at the end of the episode, you don't really remember how you got there. It's like, wait, oh, that's right. We started out with them looking forward to going to this planet to have dinner with this man. And then there was a there was a high speed space chase, and then there was a gladiator like battle, and some other random stuff thrown in like revenge and logic and oh yeah, so it it I don't know this this episode was was a mess. I don't know how it's a classic. I will have to say I do have to say something that is not just about this episode it's an overall thing mm-hmm. and I was hesitant to point it out until this episode the amount of blue eyeshadow that is used for makeup on this show is troubling 
The only person who does not have the blue eyeshadow on is Kirk. The reason why I bring it up this time is because Ohura has the blue eyeshadow on in this episode. I don't know if she always has it on, but she has it on in this episode. And mm, she should not, none of them should have the blue eyeshadow on, but she especially should not have on the blue eyeshadow. And I don't know if that was just something they thought in the future, everybody's going to have like blue eyes like that, or if it was the lighting, how they use the stage lighting. But I just find it really weird that everybody wears blue eyeshadow. <laughs> it is kind of a strange choice. I know like in Pretty the 60s, strange. like blue eyeshadow was like a big thing. So a lot of people wore it. Yeah, but... But, but when you... I've noticed this with like when close-ups of like McCoy and you see his eyes and like how they do, I, I think we're trying to do like eyeliner or something, but it, it did turn out pretty blue. And I was like, what is going on with his eyes? Yeah. I don't like it. It's like, yeah. The man liner doesn't look great. No. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't. But like, I don't really have anything else to say about this episode. It was not consistent. The best part of it to me was the Gorn's out, the Gorn costume. Those are the best part. Um, I would probably give it like a five, but the five goes to the costuming. Mm-hmm. And that's it. David, what are your final thoughts? So just a couple of behind the scenes stuff. So uh, this episode was the first time they mentioned the Federation. It's also the first time that we hear about Cestus Three which comes up much more heavily later on in Deep Space Nine because that's where Cassidy Yates is from. Oh, I love Cassidy. So it becomes a thing eventually anyway. So we've got that to look forward to. As far as any other thoughts about this, this episode's fine. But to me, that's the problem is it's just fine. Other than the first appearance of the Gorn, there's not really much that stands out on any real level. Shatner's fine. The rest of the crew might as well not even be in this episode because they don't matter. The effects are 60s. I've taken LSD and I'm working on my computer screensaver type of effects for the Metrons when they first show up. But, you know, again, for the time period, it's just fine. So I would also give it a five because it's fine. It's not great. It's not terrible. It's just fine. Well, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I don't really have much else to To say. To me, that's the worst thing. Carrie, before you go on. Go ahead. To me, that's actually worse than being really good or bad. Just being fine? Because if you're just fine, because if you're just, if you're just fine in like Star Trek, it's just not good enough. Because if you're really bad, you'll be remembered. Because if you're really bad, it's remembered because it's really bad. Sure. And so it's like, oh, we should watch this episode because it's awful. But there's right. something for you to grab hold of. It's really good. That's its own thing. If you're fine, it's just kind of like, all right, I don't really have to watch this. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I, get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Bad episodes are more memorable than the just fine episodes. And then the episodes that like blow your mind you're just like oh my god yeah you gotta watch this one so i I totally get that right 
Well, I just, I don't really have much more to say on this episode. I guess I too would give it like a five, but that is just purely because of the whole Gorn Kirk fighting and just seeing the Gorn itself in all its glory. And obviously that's what a lot of the budget was spent on, which is fine. There I go saying fine again. But yeah, that's kind of what I liked about it the most. And the Gorn is just the most memorable part of this episode, which is why I guess it's called a classic. That does it for me. Five on that one. Join us next week where we will talk about the next episode. Yesterday is tomorrow or is it tomorrow is yesterday? We don't know. That's it for Hailing Frequencies Open. Have a good night, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye.